Welcome to another episode of Life Across Borders, a World Relief miniseries. In part two of this two-part conversation, World Relief's Scott Arbeiter, Jenny Yang, and Matthew Sorens discuss what we can do in response to unaccompanied minors arriving at the border and what steps we'd like to see the U.S. government take in response to the situation. Well, welcome everyone and thanks for joining us again this week. And I wanna welcome Jenny Yang and Matt Sorens of our World Release staff who have led us and so many others, um, individuals, churches, organizations into the complex but really important conversation around immigration, increased apprehensions and particularly the story around unaccompanied minors. I, I'd like to switch gears a little bit today and talk about the actions we'd love to see take place and how those who are listening can help. So Jenny, let me start with you. From your perspective, what should be happening at the border right now and what steps would you like to see our government take to remedy the situation? And then we'll move into how we can individually act. Sure, thanks so much, Scott. So ending the use of Title 42 to expel unaccompanied children was, in our view, a very important step, as was ending the Migrant Protection Program and gradually admitting asylum-seeking families who have been required to wait in vulnerable situations in Mexico to be admitted into the United States to await their court dates. Another key step would be for the Biden administration to stop using Title 42 for new asylum-seeking families which we believe unintentionally exacerbates the challenges of an increasing number of unaccompanied minors because sufficiently desperate parents may decide that since unaccompanied kids are being protected, but families are being rejected, that they should make the agonizing decision to send their kids across the border alone. The government should partner with faith-based and other nonprofit organizations in border communities within the United States to process qualifying asylum seekers in an orderly and safe fashion. In terms of unaccompanied children, we certainly understand that the sudden increase in arrivals makes this extremely challenging, but it's so important that the US government respect our laws and transfer children from the custody of Customs and Border Protection to the Department of Health and Human Services network of care providers within 72 hours, which is required by law. That will require urgently increasing the number of beds and care providers within that network and also working as quickly, but also as carefully as possible to move these kids on to their families or other sponsors within the United States. The US yeah. government should also expand lawful migration options that could be accessed closer to home so that fewer would actually embark on the dangerous journey to the border to request asylum. There's been a couple things that the US government has been doing, including uh, reopening the Central American Minors Program, which actually allows a child with a parent residing lawfully in the United States to be processed in their country of origin and brought to the United States via airplane is an important first step. But the United States should also quickly rebuild its refugee resettlement program, which would allow those with a credible fear of persecution to be classified as a refugee and vetted closer to home before being brought to the United States and met by organizations like World Relief. That rebuilding process can only begin when President Biden signs the revised refugee ceiling that he has said himself he will do, but is not signed yet. You can join our advocacy efforts to call on Biden to sign the newly, um, sorry, <clears throat> You can join our advocacy efforts to call on Biden to sign the new refugee ceiling by visiting our website at www.rollofbelief.org advocate, where we provide more information and simple tools to reach out to your elected officials. 
Lastly, I want to say that the United States can and help address the situation by focusing on where the real crisis is in Central America. And this includes increasing U.S. assistance to non-governmental organizations confronting poverty, violence, environmental degradation, and corruption. So we see some things that we can encourage President Biden and elected officials to do, but Matt, let's turn to what can local churches and concerned Christians do to help in the midst of this really difficult and complex set of dynamics at the border? Yeah, for, for one, world relief offices throughout the U.S. are eager to serve asylum-seeking families in any way that, that we can in partnership with volunteers and churches. Uh, those services include providing legal services and, and representation in some cases for those seeking asylum, as well as um, uh, caring for newly arrived uh, refugees and immigrants of all sorts in vulnerable situations, including those who are asylum seekers. We provide uh, an array of programming that includes education, employment, economic empowerment, youth and family services, mental health support, and, and anti-human trafficking programs. We also in, actually minister to some asylum seekers who are held in detention through our ministry. And, and so you can help sustain that work in these and many other areas by joining the PATH, which is World Relief's community of monthly givers, or you can sign up to volunteer at one of our local offices, and you can find a full list of our U.S. locations on our website at worldrelief.org U.S. So Matt, in addition to that, obviously, you know, one of the great tools we have at our disposal as Christians is that we can intercede for people. How can we be praying in the midst of this challenging situation? Yeah, great question, Scott. Um, you know, please pray in particular for these children who are uniquely vulnerable. And of course, for their parents who are often really anguished as they wonder if their kids will be safe. And pray for President Biden and his cabinet and for members of Congress that God would give each of them wisdom to know how to respond to a very complex challenge. And of course, the courage to do what is right. And we should be praying for border patrol agents, for the health and human services staff and the staff of the organizations with whom they partner to care for unaccompanied minors and for the churches and ministries on both sides of the US-Mexican border that are actively caring for vulnerable children and families. We should be praying for the peace, security and economic opportunity uh, of in Central America and ultimately praying for the witness of the church, whether that's in Central America or in Mexico or along the border or throughout the United States that we would earn the reputation for reflecting God's love for vulnerable kids and families, and for rejecting narratives that are rooted in fear. Jenny and Matt, thanks for helping us understand what is taking place and how we can intersect that with our faith and our prayers and our giving. And a special thanks to all of you who cared enough to take your time to listen in and for engaging in this conversation uh, when we remind ourselves once again these are women and men and girls and boys made in the image of God, um, and in so many cases in such trauma that we have never experienced in our own families, but we can remember them as though it were happening to our families, and that's the high calling we have of the followers of Jesus. So thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Life Across Borders. To learn more about World Relief and get involved, visit www.worldrelief.org and join us on social media. We are at World Relief on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.